uh, chapter 5 today at the end, uh, towards the end of the book. Uh, in verse 15, we're in a series on prayer, uh, walking through an acronym called uh, ACTS. Uh, it's a book of a Bible. There's nothing uh, scripted about it, but just a, a reminder of how to structure prayer, a way to do that. Uh, hello, like what, and then what follows, and so uh, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, uh, supplication. So today we're on Thanksgiving, and I think you'll see how that plays out in this text. Uh, verse 15 says this, See that no one repays anyone for evil for evil, but always, always, always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. <laughs> Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God. You ever wonder what the will of God is? Well, pretty clear right there. Uh, in Christ Jesus uh, for you. Let's pray. God, I, uh, Lord, I pray for our people. Lord, I pray for myself, Lord. I pray, Lord, we just saying the word all. Father, that you can have all of us. Father, might that not only be a, a, a declaration of our mouths, but Father, would that follow with a declaration of our lives? And um, Father, as we wrestle today, as we go into your word, as we dig through your word, um, Father, would you in, uh, not only enrich us with, with seeing and feeling and, and knowing that the Holy Spirit is, is moving, but Father, would you also, Father, Holy Spirit, would you use your word, uh, not just to be a, a Bible study, but Father, would, it, would this move beyond study and move to life change as only you can do? Um, Father, I, I pray that we have a group of people going out into the community that, Lord, gripes and complains all over social media, gripes and complains in the coffee shops. And Father, would we be a people that are grateful? Um, and would we let you know that? We love you, Jesus. In your name, amen. You guys can have, uh, have a seat. Uh, this week, uh, obviously, is Thanksgiving, and uh, if you don't know, now you do. Uh, and so, uh, Brady was, uh, just a few days ago, was like, hey, where are we going this year for Thanksgiving? And I was like, oh, this is our West Virginia year. Uh, my wife is from West Virginia, Morgantown on the PA, West Virginia border. And, uh, and so he's like, oh, great, we get to shoot shotguns. And I was like, Okay, we're in New Jersey. You can't say that out loud. Uh, and uh, but yes, in West Virginia, uh, first day of shotgun hunting season, they get off of school. Uh, they don't have school on shotgun hunting season for deer season uh, because they all go out into the woods uh, and shoot deer and it's wild. And so uh, Ava, uh, my brother-in-law is kind of like the John Dutton of, uh, of the area. Uh, he owns like all the land. And so when we go to his house for Thanksgiving, we literally look around on top of a little mountainside and he owns it all. And so because we're on top of the mountain, like we literally take shotgun shells uh, and say, pull and we shoot shotgun shells and it's a wild good time. And as soon as we start doing it, uh, every pickup truck in the town comes up the hill and, uh, and joins us. And it is, uh, it is wild. So anyways, uh, Brady, Brady loves it. And uh, it is culturally acceptable there. It's not so much here. Uh, and so I welcome to me getting canceled because this is now online. But uh, I, uh, I digress. Uh, anyways, holidays is something that I've always wondered about for myself what is acceptable. 
Because I've, I've used this term in my own life, uh, in my own thinking, when it comes to the holidays, going, going either A with family or going to my family up in New Hampshire, of like, all right, like, I can let my hair down a little bit. And that used to be kind of my mantra until one day uh, God smacked me over the head and said, as I kind of was thinking about that phrase, Jason, just let your hair down. What I was actually kind of saying was, Jason, <laughs> you've been doing so good. You can take a step back and be a little bit sinful. <laughs> Those words taste like poo coming out my mouth. And it's so sad, right? And yet we all kind of do that. Like I'll be in circles with some of y'all and you'll be like, hey, dude, hey, bro to bro, you, you don't have to be Pastor Jason right now. You can let your hair down and you can say, you know, that, that bad, bad, no, no word. Oh, you can let your hair down and you can say this or talk about this. And it's like, well, my goal is to be Pastor Jason always <laughs> and not pick and choose when I'm going to be following after Jesus. And so, yes, the end result is sometimes I'm a little rough around the edges when I'm preaching, but my hope is that who I am at home is who I am here. I don't want to ever get to the place where I'm compartmentalizing my faith. That word uh, simply uh, means this, to divide into sections or categories. I think this is something that we all struggle with. Like we all struggle with like, hey, I'm going to put a pause on my faith life. I'm going to have my church life. I'm going to have my work life. I'm going to have my family life. I'm going to have my financial life. I'm going to have this life, my team life, my sports life. I have this life, this life, this life. But Jesus is not, did not die to give you some life. He came to be your life. And from there flows everything else. <laughs> So that's what we want to look at today. We're going to be, again, in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5. I want to read us uh, verse 15 again, uh, as Paul reminds us. He says, See that no one repays anyone uh, evil for evil, but always seek to do good to, uh, to one another uh, and to everyone. Like this is a, he's writing to the church in Thessalonica and in a time period where they knew persecution, persecution unlike anything that you and I know. Like, yes, sometimes it's hard for us at work. Yes, sometimes you'll be at a Thanksgiving table and somebody will look at you as the crazy Christian family member. Yes, that is a hardship and that is real. I'm not belittling that. But I'm saying in the church of Thessalonica, it was that on steroids. Some of them died. Some of them knew that they were, uh, when they found out that they were a Christian, they were no longer allowed in the marketplace. And so being found out as a Christian led to literal poverty. And so he's talking to people that have been done wrong in a magnificent, awful way and saying, it's not just turn the other cheek. It's not just, hey, be a good human and don't repeat, repay evil for evil. Like that's a basic good human thing. The Christian thing to do is actually pursue good. Not just don't harm the person that wrongs you, actually actionable things of doing good to them. And why can we do that as Christians? Because I mean, I think the context here is that you and I are called to be patient people. And so if we're going to be patient, you know what we can be patient with? Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, as, as the scripture goes. <laughs> that we can be patient, that God will take care of what he needs to take care of. Here's our job. Do other people good even when they've done us wrong or they are doing us wrong. That is a really hard truth. Simon Sinek uh, has a, a version of love, a definition of love that is this. Love is giving someone the power to destroy you and trusting they won't use it. Oftentimes, the biggest wounds come from those that we've trusted the most. 
When we talk about revenge, when we talk about somebody has wronged you, I'm sure the names and the faces that are in your mind right now is somebody that you let be real, real close to you. I always, whenever we talk about this subject, uh, the story of the Amish, they have a very closed-off community. Uh, but they're a while back now, uh, I think well over a decade, they uh, had a school shooting. It was by somebody that they knew as the milkman, somebody that they had let into their community and that everybody referred to as the milkman, the milkman, the milkman. They knew this gentleman as the milkman, and one day he brought a gun to a school and shot up little kids. And the stories that came out of the Amish community are powerful in how they came alongside uh, the family of the shooter and loved on the family. But the article that I was reading this week uh, was actually written on the year anniversary of the shooting. And And it moved me yet again that a year later, the year after the shooting, the Amish community was still gathering funds and giving it to the shooter's family to love them over a year later to show them their family kindness and not hold a grudge. That is powerful. And so when you and I are are in a moment where we're tempted to hit the pause button on our faith when we have been wrong, it is it is Jason, come on, like they they I got fired unjustly. They were wrong in firing me, so it's okay for me to steal a few things on my way out. Pause. Jason, I was perfect in my marriage. It fell apart, and my spouse was a dirtbag. I should let my kids know what a dirtbag he or she was. Pause. Jason, I've told my teacher that I have a lot going on at home, and he or she doesn't seem to care and is piling on the homework, and so it's okay to cheat a little bit. Pause. Jason, I had a really good friend that didn't invite me to Friendsgiving, and so it's okay to spread some rumors about that friend because I wasn't invited. Pause. We have to actually pursue good, and that's what a, faith, a life of faith is. The second thing that, that Paul points out here in this kind of always uh, mindset is verse uh, 16. Two words, rejoice always. You want to memorize scripture? Repeat after me. Rejoice always. There, we did it. You went home. You can memorize some scripture. Yay. All right. Rejoice always, but so hard to live out. To rejoice always? Have you been on social media? Have you walked in your own shoes? Sometimes that's really, really challenging. But I don't think God's giving it to us as a suggestion. How can you and I rejoice always? You see, the world outside of here is running a rat race. The world outside of here is, is the, the worldly word for joy is happiness. They're looking for happiness here, happiness here, happiness in money, happiness in relationships, happiness in a home, happiness in a car, happiness, 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 and all of those things. And you know what all of those things are? Temporary. And then you're going to need the next thing, and then you're going to need the next thing, and then you're going to need the next thing. And, and, and when you're trying to find happiness in circumstances, you know what it is? Circumstantial. You and I are called to find true joy in Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, who died to give us life, you know what he is? He's eternal. So joy found in Christ is eternal joy. And if joy is eternal because Christ is eternal, then joy is present for us all the time. And so when other things in our lives are lacking, guess what you and I get to do? Find joy in Jesus Christ. And so I was thinking about that this week. Is like, I, I have my own joy killers. 
Whenever I fixate on a hardship or fixate on a circumstance, those things are joy killers for me. I can fixate on the negative. I can fixate on what's missing in my life. I can fixate on comparison. For me, that looks like I'm going to, I'm going to start focusing in on those kids. Well, that's a joy killer. I'm going to start focusing in on that marriage. That can be a joy killer. I can focus in on that family went on what vacation. That's a joy killer. I can fo focus on uh, that car. That person's driving that car. A joy killer. I can focus focus in on that pastor that leads that church that wrote that book. That's a joy killer. We're called to rejoice always. God, I will rejoice always when you give me the car. Pause. God, I'll rejoice always if you just give me the promotion. Pause. God, I'll rejoice always if you let me get into my dream school. Pause. God, I'll rejoice always if that boy that I see read my text message actually responds back in those little bubbles, becomes words. Pause. God is calling us to always rejoice because he knows who he is in our lives. The, the third thing that Paul uh, points out uh, for you and I uh, in verse 17, uh, now we have three words if you want to memorize scripture again. Uh, pray without ceasing. Pray always. Have an attitude of prayer. Have a, have a demeanor of prayer. Have the attitude of prayer where I'm driving around and I see somebody walking on the street and I'm going to pray for them. To have that attitude of prayer that I'm going to wake up and literally thank God for the day. That I'm going to wake up and my alarm didn't go off, but somehow God woke me up in time. I'm going to thank God for that. I'm going to thank God for the warm water. I'm going to do, I'm going to have a demeanor and a default of prayer. That means I'm going to pray not in the aftermath of things, but before things. To pray without ceasing. This is, to, again, told and said to a group of people that are going through hardship and persecutions. And so he's, he's, he's reminding them, don't, don't just fixate on the problem. Fixate on God who is there with you in the midst of life's problems. Sometimes you and I, the best way to get beyond ourselves is to pause and pray, and to have God develop our minds to his, and develop it towards his perspective. Prayer is when I understand that I am completely insufficient, but I get to talk to the God who is all-sufficient, where I get to go to him in great dependency because I, can't, I need to stop depending on myself. And so this, this year, uh, since I've been back from sabbatical, I want to tell you why. We have prayer tomorrow night here at the church at 6.30. Since I've been back from sabbatical, uh, we've been doing that every single week. And if you guys want to know what the calendar for the church is going to look like in 2024, prayer is going to be on the calendar every single week uh, on, in 2024 for a very real reason. Because I went, to, I went on sabbatical, and I was reading God's word, and I was looking at it, and I was like, I read some words, and I'm like, man, if God put it in here, maybe he's not joking. <laughs> you ever have that moment where you're like, I've been taking this as a suggestion, but God, don't God didn't write it as a suggestion, <laughs> you know? And so I was reading about uh, Jesus walking into the temple and flipping some tables. You know what he said in that moment? You've done this, but this is meant to be a house of prayer. I was like, oh, okay, uh, okay, I guess, all right, house of prayer, God, I get you, Jesus, I get you. Uh, and, and then I was reading through the book of Acts and uh, the leaders of the church uh, that were uh, needing to help out some widows, and they said, okay, we need to have some other people help out the widows because we as the church leaders need to fixate on preaching the God's word and prayer. And I was like, well, I guess they weren't kidding, okay. 
Uh, and so we be, we've been doing that every single week since I've been back. And if no one shows up, it's okay. I'll be there in the room all by myself praying. Uh, and that's all groovy. But I invite you guys to show up with me tomorrow uh, at 630 in that room to pray because I think it's something that we should do together every single week. But in those moments when we say, like, I don't have time to pray, pause. In those moments where prayer isn't important, pause. In those moments where we pray after the fact instead of before the fact, pause. In those moments when we're praying, God, here's my will instead of thy will be done, pause. Here's where Paul concludes our, our text. He, he says this in verse 18. This one's a little bit longer. You might have to go home and memorize it. Uh, but give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks in all things. To give thanks even when life is hard. To give thanks when life is challenging. To wake up and find things to be thankful for every single day. If we're going to uh, we're going to uh, go to that that what we were talking about earlier with joy, your kids aren't a source aren't the source of joy. Your job isn't the source of joy. Your relational status isn't uh, the the source of joy. How many likes or how many followers is not the source of joy. These things are not the source of joy. Jesus Christ is. And so when all of those other areas are lacking, the car is lacking, uh, the finances are lacking, there's struggles in your marriage, struggles in your job. When all those areas are lacking, guess what you and I have? Jesus Christ. And so guess what we have? We still have something to be thankful for. It's hard to be thankful when we're fixated on the problem and not fixated on our Jesus and how my Jesus has a unique way. If I, if I think about the cross, my God has a unique way of taking evil and turning it to something very, very good. So a picture of my wife and I while we were on uh, sabbatical. I was thinking about that this, uh, this week, uh, about how, God, how there's always something to be thankful for. I wake up in the morning and I get to pray with my wife, and I'm very thankful uh, for that. But there's a road uh, that le led her uh, to me, if you will, which is a country song. Road to you, right? Something? No? I don't know. Well, you like country. Country's... <laughs> Hee-haw. Uh, so uh, I married somebody that likes country music. But anyways, I think there's a country uh, music song about the I don't, I don't even know. Is there? Right? Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and so uh, anyways, uh, my wife grew up uh, in a home uh, that was not terrific. She had a stepdad um, that did sinful things and grew up in a home that she could not wait to get out of um, because of a, a stepdad that was not a good human being. And so because of that and all the atrocities uh, done towards my wife, that I am not thankful for the sin committed against her, it led her to saying, I need to get out the house, which led her to go to school out of state, which led her to Liberty University, which led her to say, hey, one summer, I don't want to go back to my home. I want to, I want to stay in this area and not, not be back under in those circumstances, which led her to find a summer job which just so happened to be the same time that I was at in Lynchburg, Virginia, finding myself as a manager at American Eagle in Lynchburg, Virginia, where Liberty is located. And so uh, she needed a summer job, and I was in the middle of hiring. And so uh, she got employee of the month, and I started dating her. Uh, and so now we have three kids, three kids later, and I look back on those moments of saying there was a road 
marked in hardship that led her to that moment at American Eagle where we fell in love and the rest is, as they say, history. I'm not thankful for what has happened to my wife, but I am thankful for how God has used it. The cross was an atrocity. The cross was evil. The cross was awful. And in the cross, at the foot of the cross, and in those three days, no one thought that this was going to be used for good until God rose Jesus from the grave and he walked out the grave. God turned that atrocity into glory for you and I. So to have this moment where we would be thankful when is a pause. Because you and I in Christ Jesus always have something to be thankful for. Here's what I want to remind us today as we think about prayer and as we think about pausing, as we think about what do we say to God? That faith doesn't have a pause button. That you and I, if we're walking in here as a people of faith, coming to church for an hour a week is just one of the things that somebody of faith does. To be here and enjoy one another. This one hour a week is not faith. It's an aspect of our faith. You and I, as people of faith, walk in as a person of faith to our jobs, walk in as a person of faith into our families, walk in as a person of faith as we're sending text messages. You and I, as we're on social media, guess what next year is going to be? Election season. We are people of faith before we're anything else. Might people know that? Here's our values that we, have, that we hope every uh, Christian uh, would, would uh, value as, as they walk with Jesus, engage with God. That we're not going to pause our faith and say, I will engage with God when he's good to me. I will engage with God uh, for one hour a week. I will engage with God for 15 minutes every single morning. No, that you and I would not pause our faith, but we're always trying to engage with God. When we're at work, whenever it might be, that we're always trying to engage our faith and not putting a pause on that. When we have daily surrender, that you and I are not waking up saying, you know what, I feel pretty good today. I've got nothing to work on. Pause. <laughs> that you and I would wake up and realize, man, Jesus is perfect, and yeah, I, I'm getting better, praise God for that, but there's still some stuff to work on. To have any other attitude is, is a pause. To, to give of yourself, to say like, man, like, have you ever been in a position to try, challenge somebody to still trust God even when they're on, on unemployment with their finances? Yeah, it's hard. And we're in a society right now where things are super, super hard. Giving of yourself is not about a dollar amount. Giving of yourself is about a worshiping God through your finances and just making sure that that communicates worship. <laughs> and so we don't pause when, when life gets hard. We pause when life is good and when life is hard. We, we, we give of ourselves at all times. We, we, we pray for one where we have this attitude of like, you're going to hang out with some family this week. I bet there are some people in this room that could tell some stories about an uncle or about an aunt or about a cousin that they are so far gone from Jesus that you don't even want them at Thanksgiving dinner. You don't want to hang out with them that they are so far gone. Pause. Because my Jesus came for everybody. <laughs> Pursue community. It's not having two Instagrams, <laughs> one for your church friends <laughs> and one for everybody else. <laughs> this is pursuing community that's encouraging to my faith and making sure that I'm a part of that. Anything else is a pause. We pause for Jesus, not from Jesus. Life is getting hard and we feel like life is hard and uh, there is generations gone past that would look at our hard lives right now and say, is it that hard? 
your great-grandparents that were in the Depression, they would look at us right now and be like, I get it, but do you get it? <laughs> it can get harder. And uh, as I was thinking about you know, how, to, how to close up our time uh, together, uh, there's a, a, a kind of a, not really even a church father, but a, a philosopher from uh, a few generations ago in Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And if you've ever wanted to do a case study of a, of a man of faith, like he's a great case study. He was a, a German pastor. And for many years, uh, as this was brewing, they were, they were demanding that the Jewish, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, the German pastors would, would turn against the Jews and, and use the word of God and, and, and to promote their propaganda. And many of the pastors in Germany uh, joined with the Nazi, Nazi regime uh, to, to go through the all, with all of the hate. But there was a few that stood against it. There was a few that would not join and would not do that. And so Dietrich Bonhoeffer was one of those people that was like, as I read, this is all, that's all nonsense. This is all truth. I, I can't get behind that. And it led him and his brother to, to resist. And, and at one point when they're trying to uh, actually lead an overthrow of, of the government, but also get Jewish people out of the country, he was arrested. And many of his powerful works came from a concentration camp where he was with his brother. And one day, uh, he was sentenced to be put to death. And, uh, and I, I was reading uh, the Britannica, I think that's the, the encyclopedia, and I couldn't really understand what it was saying. It was a little nerdy. Uh, but uh, I think he was uh, hung uh, with his brother, but don't quote me on that one. Uh, but anyways, his, his brother was either hung with him or hung soon after. But he died being hung for his crimes against the Nazi regime. And he's said to have said on his, on his way to be hung that this is the end for me, but for me, this is the beginning of life. Like, can you imagine having that perspective as you're walking to die? That as the Christian, on one hand, this is the end, but on one hand, it is the beginning of life. And one of the quotes that I read of Bonhoeffer that I think is appropriate for you and I as we consider this, this text is he said this, it's only with gratitude that life becomes rich. Y'all, you might think I'm tripping and crazy, but I truly think that if you have Jesus, you live a pretty rich life. We can take whatever definition that the world wants to throw at us for what rich means, but I truly believe that if you have Jesus, you walk in here a very rich person. And so I want to challenge you this week to pause as you go into Thanksgiving and family. And uh, some of you, that's going to be joyous. Some of you, you're going to feel a void. Some of you, it's like, okay, uncle, uncle so-and-so, I'm just going to have to give me three hours to put up with that jerkwad. And I'll, after that, I'll be good. I'll be more thankful after. I want to challenge you 75 hard to take this list, maybe slip it in your Bible, and every day for five days straight, write 15 new things that you're thankful for. Day one will be easy. Day two, but three, four, five, you're going to have to dig deep. But here's what I'm trusting that God will do. I'm trusting that God will shape your perspective to see how blessed you are in Christ Jesus when you take time to fixate on things that truly do matter, that God's got you.